Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be hearing from Rusty Erasmus and his dog Frank, who sent us a nice wee voice note over the weekend. Then we'll be looking back at all the weekend action as Leicester suffered their first defeat in the Premiership season and Bath got their first win. Then we'll be joined by Gloucester Centre, Billy Twelve Trees after their Saracens win. And don't forget, make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Well, should we start with the voice note, lads? That must have been the highlight of your week. Absolutely loved it. It was a welcomed boost for me personally, Andrew. I know that you've had your own interactions with him, but he mentioned my name. He mentioned the pod. He couldn't work out whether we were taking the piss or not. <laughs> were we? I don't know. Who knows, mate? Who knows? It could have been. Depends what day it was. But lovely little thumbnail as well. And for you, Goody, that's just a kind of a holding picture, video of the flag. His digital creative nous, as well as being one of the best coaches in the world, and the fact that he sounded like he had 25 bottles of wine responsibly, <laughs> made my week, I will be honest. So, Rassi, I would have liked to follow. He only follows one person. Have you seen who that is? Well, I know, James. I know who it is. Because he sent me a couple of messages on uh, Twitter over the weekend, just a couple of DMs. So it's you? No, it's not, actually. It's Augustin Pichot. I think he wants Augustin Pichot to be head of World Rugby, doesn't he? Is that what it is? I can't work out what it is. But anyway, ain't following Bill Beaumont. That's all. Not that <laughs> he should. I mean, we obviously had Bill and... Augustine on the podcast, absolutely loved it. It was felt like a political debate. But he's following, like you said, Augustine Pichot, hashtag number nine or whatever it is, whatever his profile handle is. I want him to follow me. Come on, Rassi, come on. I did ask him privately. I said, are you looking forward to your appearance on the pod when you're coming on? And I think he's in some sort of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. He's in some sort of media lockdown, yet he's still posting the best things on social media. He's just going out on his own on a limb, isn't he? Just posting him and his dog and having fun and all that stuff. Yet, actual serious content, not that our podcast is too serious, but a serious interview within the media sphere that we live in. He's blanketing everything at the minute and he's not doing it. But he has said he'll come on at some point. So that some point could be, if we're still going in 10 years and he hasn't come on, we'll get him on then. Well, let's just have a listen to that clip now, shall we? Hey, you guys and ladies, if there is the interact reporter, it's Russ here. Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you if you're choking my chain or are you being serious, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, I just want to say thank you for uh, for yeah for not the award for for 
for having some fun with me, uh, with my dog and so on. Uh, I know both of you, uh, um, I played against you, but I mean, both of you have been really trying hard to get me onto your, onto your, onto your show, your podcast. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I can't do it right now, but uh, it's so nice. We call it Lekker in South Africa when people understand that a coach or a player or anybody is just full of mistakes like all of us. And yeah, we just happen to be, well, hopefully good in rugby. But uh, yeah, we're not perfect people and we're not saints and we don't do things not right. Um, yeah, and it's nice to see that you guys bring some humor into it. I like the way you guys conduct yourself, the way you talk when you have your interviews. So yeah, uh, I'm not sure if you if you, you know, you're pulling my chain or having a bit of fun with me. But uh, like like a guy like Joe Mahler or uh, whoever, I just like, you know, I think it's a world where we sh- should supposed to be, to say what we feel and, 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 and without being afraid and nervous. Um, uh, and it's lucky to see you guys doing it and having some fun back with me. So uh, yeah, big shout out to you guys and appreciate it a lot. And, and yeah, I hope it's a great uh 2022 for you guys. Thank you, Rasi. Bye. Wow, Jim. First and foremost, he's probably, as you said, had about 28 bottles of Van Rouge responsibly. But how good is that to get a message off? Probably the best coach in the world. Who's pulling the chain? Does that mean what we would say in pulling your pester? Is that what we'd say? Yeah, pull your pisser, pull the chain, choking the uh, the head off one. But what I mean is, yeah, uh, he knows. He listens to the pod, so he, he likes the fact that we say what we want and we're honest and we have a bit of fun with it. That's how he wants to be. But actually... There's a load of constraints on these top coaches, isn't there, of what they can and can't do. And he's having a bit of fun at the minute within his freedom of his ban. He's not in the mainstream media, but he's just doing it on social media, basically having a laugh and taking the piss. And it's actually fun to see, I think. You could say that social media is mainstream media. It's as mainstream as you get, in my opinion. But I know what you mean. Now, I didn't like the fact that he likened us to Joe Marler. I don't walk around (laughs) wearing jumpsuits like I'm a Polish painter, but it's one of them where... I'm looking at the way that he's interacting. I'm loving it. I know some stuff around Nick Berry, what he tweeted in the statement. There's another side to it. What we should do is like we did with Pichot and Bill Beaumont. Get them both on, right, and let the public decide. In this world that we live in, and I don't know, I flip-flop left and right, if you can say left and right these days, about which way and how we should live our lives. So depending on the day and how I feel, I'll probably go with the masses on should you be able to do what Rassi did? As a referee, should you take that I don't really know it's a rhetorical question but what I'm saying is 2022 let's get them on and it's never going to happen so Rassi come on and just let's put the worlds to right mate and I'm happy to drink 25 bottles of red responsibly I know last week was a very uh, negative start to the podcast I want to start off with something positive and I want to direct it at you Goody oh god you look like you've you've lost a lot of weight what's what's been going on mate you're looking very trim around the around the gills listen are you are you choking my chain <laughs> You're chucking my chain. <laughs> well, it's been an interesting start to 2022 for me. As we spoke on the podcast last week, uh, you know, I want to get under 100 kilos, which would be nice. And I'm two kilos closer to being under 100. I lost two kilos last week. So thank you very much, Andy Rowe. How do you lose two kilos in a week? Genuinely, I'm asking because you see these Weight Watcher programs, you don't see them as much anymore. You see that Argy Belt or whatever his name is, just had a belt around a belt, that gastric knot or whatever, who's lost all that weight. How do you lose that much weight this quick? Well, first and foremost, Weight Watchers is now only known as WW. 
I've seen an advert and I'm like, what? They're not even allowed to call it Weight Watchers anymore. That's how woke the world is going. Can you not say wait now? Well, who knows? Anyway, two kilos have dropped off me this week. Started off Monday on the podcast, said I'm going to lose weight, said I'm going to get down to 100 kilos. Tuesday, I've started early. I've gone in for a spin class and I'm thinking, I'm feeling good about myself. Got a bit of a sweat on. I say a bit of a sweat, dripping. And then Tuesday afternoon, I thought, I'm going to go and get my booster jab. So I've gone down to Boots, not far from where we live. Walked in, got the booster jab, walked out. Tell the sweats that on Tuesday night in bed. I've gone to bed, not feeling the best. I've woken up at three o'clock in the morning. I might as well have had four litres of water poured all over me. I'm cold, but I'm hot. Sweating like an absolute pig in bed. The missus has left. She's like, it's just horrific. She's gone to the other room. And that's how it's been for <laughs> about four or five days. So I've been pretty rough for four or five days until I went up to the mighty... Coventry Building Society Arena on Sunday. I had a Guinness and I feel a bit better now. But yeah, I haven't lost two kilos through hard work and grafting the gym. I've lost it after having the third jab, the booster jab. And I'm not saying I was ill because of that, but basically I've lateral flow tested every day. Nothing's come up. Yeah, I'm sweating in bed every night. My bones have been hurting. My body's been hurting like you wouldn't believe. And I'm two kilos lighter from sweating at nighttime. So it's great. Lost a bit of appetite as well. Didn't eat as much last week. So it's a positive. And who said that the booster wasn't beneficial? <laughs> who said that? Because from what I am seeing, this booster has arguably changed your life. So there's a positive on the positive here. See what I've done there? there? Because 2022 is the year of positivity. But Andrew, we did miss you because I know you were feeling a bit ropey last week and I was at the Wolfpack bar doing some filming trying to do a new show you talk about cowboy production so we're doing a new show called the sesh we don't know what it means I mean sesh could be anything from smoking weed to going on a sesh or doing a training session so we're trying to work out what it is camera guy turns up he's only brought one camera who do we call Andy Rose up the road next thing Andy Rose rocked up with three lights he's brought the microphone we're doing this show with Wolfpack Andy Rowe, segues straight into the Andy Rowe show. It's not about us. You got a podcast, Andy Rowe. Did I mention that? Yeah. No one fucking listens to it, so let's carry on. Let's just fucking gloss over that. But yeah, so I was at the Wolfpack bar last week, out of the house, trying to be productive, trying to be more positive, filming with my good mate Alistair and the Wolfpack lads, turned into Cowboy Productions, which, Andrew, as you know, is what I and what we do. So I don't know whether I'm dangling the carrot or trying to get people to tune in because there's nothing to even tune in for. I'm just trying to show that I've been productive in the start of the new year. Well, the way I look at that is you were just glad to get out of the house and get away from the missus and the kids for a, a night out in London. And you can tell I was ill because you put the invite out there and said, get down to the Wolfpack bar. We'll have 10 pints of Guinness responsibly. And I had to turn it down. I was I was absolutely slippered from not being slippered. So Andy Rowe, all I'm, what we're trying to do is I'm trying to give you some wraps for saving the day basically to, so that I could go home and tell Rebecca and the kids that your dad has been productive and he's not gone down there and drank <laughs> 10 pints of Wolfpack. Well, the guys in the back room have been productive as well because we have some big news before we get into the weekend's action. Guinness Six Nations is coming up. It's only a few weeks away and we have our biggest ever rugby pod live tour lined up and we're coming to a couple of new places as well, aren't we guys? Oh yes, we are. There's one big name on the list. There is one big location that I can't wait for. Hit me with yours. Well, it's that moment to meet your nemesis, meet the uh, eyes were locked across a nightclub. There was love in the air. Tiddy Von Tramp and Jim Hammond. We're going to Belfast, boys. You see how I didn't know which place that was. That could have been a number of the locations that we're going to. <laughs> but you're right, Belfast is one. There's been huge appetite. If that place don't sell out in five minutes, then I might not go because 
the 10 messages I've had of people wanting to come to the Belfast show basically shows me that it's going to be sold out. Liverpool is a bit of a weird one. They love their ruggers up there. Is that the Wirral or not? Is that not Liverpool? That area, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And Manchester and London and obviously Edinburgh as well. Hashtag always. So And Dublin. Mate, how good is it going to be to get back to Dublin? Dublin, I reckon, is my favourite place. Right. So staying at the Dean Hotel opposite where we do the event at the D2. But also, there's Copperface Jacks literally two doors away. Like, it's just going to be a quiet one. I'm just tell the missus and the kids, it's going to be a quiet one. I've got to go away for two days, though, for that event. So, uh, mate, I can't wait. The last time we were in Dublin, me and Goody got on a rickshaw to drive two doors down the road. Which, if me and Goody get on a rickshaw together, that means it's on. Like Donkey Kong. <laughs> so, if anyone in Dublin sees us on a rickshaw... You know that me and Andrew are on it responsibly. <laughs> so we're going to be kicking things off in Edinburgh on the 3rd of February. Then we're back in London on the 10th of February before Cardiff on the 24th, Dublin on the 9th of March. And then for the very first time, we are hitting Belfast on the 10th of March, Manchester on the 15th, then Liverpool on the 16th of March. We've got a very special guest lined up for each one, including Chris Ashton for London, Manchester and Liverpool. So we can find out exactly Boo. what happened at Worcester and he can be horrible to Jim. Are you booing him there, Jim? You don't, you don't want him to come, James? Well, unless he brings the most sensational stories, which he's promised me he will, he said that he hasn't signed an NDA or anything like that, so he's going to let loose. And I've told him because it's March, because... I'm going to my holiday and the fact that you've had a booster and lost 10 stone, that we're going to look incredible. <laughs> so he needs to get on the tanning beds, get the tags done, ready for what's going to be our biggest tour ever. And they do tend to get pretty loose because the live shows are not recorded. So make sure you get your mates, your teammates, get them together, get involved for a great night. Tickets are available on eventbrite.co.uk just by searching for The Rugby Pod. And a massive thank you to Guinness who are supporting us and we'll be giving everyone a free pint on the night as well. Shall we have a look at the Premiership? Shall we get into the rugby then? All out ruggers, wasn't it, James? It was, and I don't know whether you want to start with the game that was the last game, Andrew, because I do feel as if there's a genuine apology coming from myself. Really, James? Yeah, yeah. On that note, there might also be an apology later on from me as well to someone else. Shall I start? You go first, James. Go on, you say sorry Oh, first. it's a real good vibe going on today, guys. Everyone's, everyone's been nice to each other. And then look at us, look at us. It's all the creativity down in London. Lee Blackett's interview after the game. Bloody loved it. And that made me feel bad for taking the pish on air about Was having not even seen the game. Like, I'll just come on air and be like, yeah, Was how bad this year. <laughs> when obviously... In the background, there is so much work going on. Like, we've got such an easy job because we can sit at home, flick on our phones, watch the game superficially, take opinions from the experts on TV, regurgitate what they're saying, <laughs> and there's no emotion attached to it. Now, I was watching Lee Blackett. We've had him on the show, and I really like him. Really, like He seems like a really top bloke. Everything you hear is great around him. And I've come on here, taking the piss out of Wasps, not even understanding the amount of work. I do understand. I've obviously been in it. But the amount of stress they must be under. And you could see him in the box during the game. And the game was going back and forth all match. Second half, Wasps were class. You could see Leicester potentially winning at the end. You're like, please, no. Especially with the scrums. And Lee Blackett does the interview. And there's a part of me where I was going to ring him up and say, I'm sorry for taking the piss. Because (laughs) seeing how much it meant to him was like so pure. So pure. And... For that, I'm sorry. So anyone that listens, when I do take the pesh, apart from Quinns and Worcester and England, yeah, when I'm taking the pesh, right, it's, it's done on very 
tongue-in-cheek style. It's done in the Jim Hamilton way. So for that, I'm sorry. But fair play. I know that you'll get into more detail, Andrew, because you were there. But watching Wasp play the, the way that they did in the second half with a lot of players that I didn't even know who they were and the quality and the desire against Leicester, who they weren't as good. They've obviously been fairly comfortable this season in terms of results. I know some of them have been close. And you could see one of them performances coming, but fair play to Wasps. And what a game it was, especially in that second half. So Lee Blackett, Wasps, I'm sorry. Melakai Fekatoa, my old um, selfie. You're not needed. Head to Munster. You're not needed, as you were, at ease. What? Head to where? Munster, is he? Oh, no comment. Don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I interviewed him yesterday, actually, up at the CBS arena. Did you get a selfie? Well, no, I, I said, do you want to get a selfie? And he said, well, I'll just do them on my own these days again. So anyway, I did ask him, I said, listen, before we go on, obviously Derek Richardson, the owner, is in the room. Normally, I give a bit of banter about contracts when it's been out in the press. And, you know, I can turn to Derek and say, Derek, just stick another zero on it. And I'm sure we'll sign him. Just throw away comments like that. And he looked at me. Now, he's a scary fucking bloke on the field, is Malachi Fekker. Lovely guy. I've looked at him and I said, look, any chance I can give you a bit of banter about the contract scenario? Obviously, it's gone out in the press around what might be happening, what might not be happening. And he's a scary bloke on the field. You see, when his eyes go on the field, you're like, mate, don't run down his channel because he'll go and belt people and he'll lose his lose his head properly. And he's just looked at me. He's given me the eyes. He's like, Goody, you don't ask me that. I'm like, mate, no problem. Really? I'm sorry for even thinking about it. I, I started apologising to him for even thinking about giving him some banter. So, yeah, no, he's a nice guy. I don't know the scenario. I, you know, we saw the interview with Lee Blackett pre-match. I think they were chatting about Vi Fafita, who has turned up to us and been really good, but he's on a one plus one deal. The rumour is he's going to Scarlet's. Apparently Scarlet's have found a, a truckload of money for him. You've seen these uh, contracts where people are moving now because, you know, we know the salary cap's been reduced. So, yeah, it's tough. And Malachi Fekatonail, you know, he's a great player. He's been out injured a fair bit this year. Uh, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But, listen, it was it was interesting for me yesterday. Obviously, I work at match day uh, at Leicester as well as I do at Wasps. And people were like, good, who are you supporting? I'm like, you know, I'm here in a Wasp capacity today. So I just hope it's a good game of rugby. And it wasn't the greatest game of rugby, but the tension at the end, you know, you tweeted about it, Jim, but when you're looking at those scrums at the end, and it was an interesting call. Leicester obviously wanted to get, they could have taken the draw, they could have take, kicked the penalty and had a, a couple of minutes left to try and find the win, but they were confident, very confident in their scrum. So they should have been with the front row they had. All international front row in, in terms of uh, Genge was still on at the end. Uh, Nick Dolly came off the bench and uh, Joe Hayes as well. Going up against, without being mean, a Wasps front row that was you'd probably say he's a third choice front row. Although Dan Frost is a very good player. He had a big impact when he came on, I thought. He was class. I read a story about him. During COVID, he was a bouncer at Jack Knowles Pub in Cornwall, where he was just checking people's COVID status. I'm like, mate, what an uprising. From doing that to being, he's probably Wasp's best hooker, to be fair, at the minute. He was ice cold. He was. He was Dan Frost, ice cold. But then you've got B. Allo who came off the bench as well at tight head, and Zach Nearchuk as well, who looked about 13 years of age. He is 13, isn't he? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And my God, you're looking at his face when they're going scrum after scrum. How Wasps got away from that scrum, I've got no idea. People are moaning about it should have been a penalty try the first time. It shouldn't, because actually both front rows come up. You can't give a penalty try when both front rows come up, even if the scrum's still going forward. And then eventually there was a decent scrum from Wasps. Don't know how. Mate, he is blowing out of his ring like you wouldn't believe. Can you imagine? That's your job there. You know you're coming up against a monster pack. Your head's getting squeezed. 
in positions it shouldn't be squeezed into. You can't breathe. Your scrum cap's coming off. It's choking your neck. And somehow you find it within yourself to just hold up a scrum. I mean, fair play to the bloke. And then Alfie Barbary gets the the monster turnover as well. So it was back to the wall stuff. Wasps needed that. They needed a bit of luck. I'm going to say one thing about Leicester, and it might be controversial because they've won all the games up until this point. But over the last few weeks, and especially against Wasps at the weekend, the amount they kick the ball is ridiculous. And I know it's the game plan of playing no rugby in their half, but like with five minutes to go, you've got Ollie Chesham, who's making a break down the wing. Even he's kicking it as well. So it's so far drilled into them. And I think they've got into a position now where they're thinking, if we just keep playing this way, you know, we might not lose the game. So they're playing not to lose as opposed to playing to, to win it. And when you get to knockout rugby, you can't have that mentality. So you need a bit more to your game. So I think actually the loss will do, sounds weird, but it will do Leicester a bit of a favour. It might force them to play a bit more further into the half. George Ford is playing well, but he's just kicking the leather off it. I, I dread to think how many kicks he put in in the game in terms of, and this is coming from me, who all I could do, not that well, was kick. You want to see Leicester playing a bit more. And, and I think they should have won that comfortably yesterday in, in terms of how things panned out. Yeah, there's the whole Ellis Genge conversation to have as well with the whole Francois Hugard incident. But, you know, back to the wall for Wasps, credit to him. Lee Blackett, I messaged him. He messaged me back at half one Sunday morning. So he was obviously a few red wines deep as well. I messaged him about his celebration. That's the fastest I've ever seen him run since he broke the premiership record for the fastest try in a premiership game when he played at Leeds back in the day. So fair play, mate. He was, he's lost a lot of hair in that job as well, let me tell you. And what did you make of the Gien Chogard incident, Goody? Well, it was the supposed hardest bloke on one team going after the best-looking bloke on the other. I mean, all you have to do is follow Francois Hogard's Instagram page and know that he is a slick operator in the gym. I can't... Yeah, he is. I can't work it out, though, because he was driving around Cheltenham in a Lamborghini, and I was like, mate, you're at Worcester. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't want to be horrible, because there's obviously footballers... On half a million, yeah. Yeah, but there are footballers as well, old Pisporians or whatever, driving around cars like that. But he looks incredible... And he was on the wing and he played incredible. He's a, he's a great rugby player, so I can't work it out. But you're right, he is a good-looking human, that is for sure. And hard. He is quite hard, to be fair, as well. Yeah, and to be fair to him, he, he fronted up on the wing. I thought he played exceptionally well. And we'll get to the incident in a second, but we haven't seen a lot of Francois Hugard this season in a wash jersey. He's been injured a bit. You know, there's a lot of stuff on social media. He's down in London a fair bit and all this. But actually, he fronted up properly, put it in for the jersey at the weekend. And I think Genji was just frustrated with the fact that he had a massive run-up into a ruck and he saw Hugard with his name on the back, number 14, over the ball. And he's thinking, I'm just going to go and blitz the life out of a winger. The baby rhino's coming. He flew in and because Hugard is a physical pl- specimen, I'm going to just call him a physical specimen, tell the photo that in the changing room straight after the game when he's got his top off. There's, there's more than 25 abs there, I'm saying. Ridiculous, ridiculous rig. Anyway, Genji couldn't blow him off the ruck. He's got up and he's kind of gone to push him away. There's a finger that's gone towards the eye. He's not deliberately trying to gouge him. He's just trying to push him away. But actually, he then pulls his hair. And one of my rules in life is never fucking touch the lid. You know, since it's been done, you never, you never touch the hair. And actually, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't know whether he's going to get cited or whatever. Chris Ashton got banned for pulling Alessana Tuolangi's hair. When you look at the World Rugby regulations around sanctions... Pulling hair is a red card. Low-end ban is two weeks. Was he lucky to get away with a yellow card? Potentially. When you look at the incident, do you think yellow card is justified? You could look at the incident and go, yeah, it's a yellow card. But actually, when you go into it and go and look at the, you know, the framework around what World Rugby have put in there for 
violent play and the tackle area and you know high tackles and all this stuff. Hair pulling is in there and it is a red card. So be interesting to see what happens. If you had your skullet that you had before, never fucking touch that, Jim. But that's what I mean. But if he did pull that, I'm telling you now, your head would be detached from your body. Like, as in <laughs> the purchase he would have got on that. He was lucky that Hugart's got shorter hair. He lost the plot, didn't he? That's the baby rhino that we've missed. That was the red mist, weren't it, that we've not seen in a while. So I saw something in our last game against Bristol. He, he was a little bit like that. And look, you don't know how much of the stuff around the media and the Bristol stuff has, has affected him, but he lost the plot, didn't he? And he's got that in him. And having been one of those players that has seen the red mist one or two times... It's in you, and trying to suppress it is a work on. But, you know, I like Genji. I'm not too sure what will come from it. I don't know how things are viewed. You know, there's there's bands that are happening, as we've called out on here, Goody, that we're thinking, how the hell is that a band? And there's stuff that has gone unnoticed. So, who knows? And watch this space. Well, you mentioned Bristol's there. Got the bonus point on Friday night. Are they making a late push, do you think, for the semifinals? It's one win, Andy Rowe. Come on. But a much-needed one. And you know what? Goody last week got me thinking. He prodded me thought-provoking tools, whatever they are. I don't know what tools they are inside me that make me think, but he did. And he said that the run to the end of this season, to the top four, the second half of this season, it's easy to say, oh, it's going to be interesting. It's, It's easy to throw away that comment. But in terms of the teams that have got players to come back, in terms of the teams that haven't been in form, Uh, The conditions are obviously going to improve later on to the season. Obviously, we're not in that now, and that doesn't matter about the way that Bristol won on Friday against Sale. But he was right. You look at the results at the weekend, and Bristol being one of them, out of all the games, and again, Goody was right, you look at the teams that Bristol have played, your Exeters and your Leicesters, say you look at the three games, this would have been the one for them, wouldn't it, in terms of it's a winnable game. If they can get their physicality right, if they can get into the outside edge, if they can take risks, if Sebi can keep hold of the ball and, and 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 play better than he has in recent weeks because he's the best player. And all them things married up. So that's a huge win for them because of the bonus point as well. And the fact that, probably similar to Wasps, in terms of confidence going forward to the rest of the season, you've played against a physical team that, albeit have got their own problems, but have won games this season. They're a good team, well coached. And you're at home. And you talk about Desperado. Like they would have been desperate to win that game, desperate because of where Sale are in the in, in the prem as well. And well, it doesn't need me to say, does it? It's a huge win for them. What about Bath? Hey, they've got they got six points on Sunday from one. Well, I say from one game. From one day, they got six points. They got a four point victory against Worcester, and then on the same day, Premiership Rugby confirmed they got two points for their COVID affected game against London Irish the week before. So six points in one day. I, I mean, they've only got 10 points in the league. So they've overly doubled their points tally for the season in one day. What about Alex Hepburn's red card right on the stroke of halftime Exeter's defeat at Quinn's? Oh, I, I don't know. Like, I know. like some people are saying it is an out-and-out red. Yeah. If you, if you don't look at the lead-up to the relationship them two are having in the game, Joe Marler and, and Alec Hepburn then you might think differently about it because it got a bit heated in that game. I, oh God, I've, I've got to say it because I think it was an unfortunate one. I really do. It's the fact that he lifted the leg, but he's not lifted the leg with any force at all. It was the oh, dynamics has. of the clip. I don't think he has. For me, the speed of the flip. Speed, force, are they the same thing? But I'm saying that Simmons is hitting Marler so hard because you've got to because he's big and he's hard over ball. And Hepburn's come in. And it's just, I, I, I'm saying it, I just think it was unfortunate. I think he's not going to go into that breakdown thinking, 
I'm going to spear him into the ground or I'm going to no. you know rotate him so he hits there. I think it's one of them split second things. It was it looked like it was almost too easy for him. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of the mechanics of it, because Simmons has hit him hard, Marler's rolled out, and he's got hold of the leg. That is my opinion. I've watched it four or five times. I was like, you know what? What's the point? He's saying Marler milked it. <laughs> Let's just say Marler milked it, yeah. I do completely agree with Jim around how I don't think he's intentionally thought I'm going to drive his head into the floor here. But th- there's obviously a bit of bite in it where he, you know, he really wrenches the leg. And yeah, the consequence of doing that is he lands on his head. Now, obviously, the dynamics of it with Simmons in the clear out as well. The ref's got no choice, though, has he? You've tipped him and he's gone headfirst into the ground. He's got no choice whatsoever. So then you look at the player and go, did he need to flip his leg up that high? And consequentially, Marla's head goes into the floor. That's the outcome. So then you're judging on the outcome of his action. His action caused head into the ground, which is a red card. So it's a clear-cut red, but it's an unfortunate one because... Again, I don't think there's any intent in thinking, right, I'm going to drill his head into the floor here, but the result of his actions has led to that. So the ref hasn't got a choice. Again, you've summarised that last bit by saying the referee didn't have a choice. Like That was one of them where he didn't have a choice because players, if they've been forced into that position, which he was, and landed on his head, it is a red card. It was another time for Marcus Smith to shine at the end, wasn't it, Goody? First and foremost, Andreas Hazen gets man of the match and he is... I think I gave him the good last week. He's just got man of the match after man of the match after three on the spin now. Just go in and get a contract extension, son, and say half a million quid on the table for me now or I'm walking because he is in the form of his life. But Marcus Smith, and some people are like, oh, you know, I put something out on Twitter going, he's England's 10, give him the keys. He's England's 10 for a long time now because of the way he's playing. And people are like, well, no, they should have ripped him to shreds with the amount of possession they had and against 14 men. The weather conditions were horrific. And he has, and Quinn should have won that game quite comfortably, I thought. Tyrone Green has had an absolute stinker. He's got Danny Kerr, easy pass on his right hand side. He's under the sticks. They butchered a few chances. Marcus Smith keeps, yeah, he's gone for a couple of crossfield kicks. Exeter were clever. Once the red card came for Hepburn, they took a winger off, put a prop on. So there was eight forwards and there's a lot of space in the backfield. So Marcus Smith goes probing with the crossfield kicks. Lewis Liner should have scored one. Like he's chasing after one and he's not really full out, flat out. He's kind of, three-quarter pace, whereas if he just put a bit more in, he'd have caught it on the full and gone in. And then it's literally the last play of the game, isn't it? And he's put another perfect kick in for Esther Hazen to get over in the corner. And then in those conditions, tell the spuds that for that conversion. I've kicked at Arlequins and there's a swirling wind in that stadium. And it, obviously he's going to know more than anyone and better than anyone how the wind plays there. But he's judged it to perfection. Touchline conversion to win the game. Huge spuds. He's a great player, great talent. And what I did, I don't know whether I liked it or what I did see, is after he started the conversion, did you see he screamed at Stuart Ogg? He gave him the big, yeah! Maybe he shouted teeth. I don't know. Teeth! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to be playing against each other. I wonder if Hoggy saw it, but um, they'll be playing against each other, hopefully, up in Murrayfield in a couple of weeks with the packed house. But we'll get to that later on around whether we're going to see fans in the stadia at the Six Nations. And Gloucester continue to impress, don't they? A real statement from them winning away at Saracens. I mean, what sort of mugs said they'd finish bottom of the league? Well, you called me out on Twitter, so people think it's me, Andrew. <laughs> if they don't listen to the pod, they're thinking his partner in crime is an absolute idiot. Well, he is, but I know. Phenomenal. They've never won there. I, th- I think I'm right in saying. I mean, prove it if they have. But huge win. Two players in the bin throughout the game. Saracens almost fully loaded. 
Gloucester not expecting to win. They've been great so far this season. If they lost to Saris and what, you know, second in the in the table, massive win. And I was chatting uh, to Alistair Hargreaves as well because he hosts at Saracens. He does my job. He's my apprentice and now he's doing it. And he's like, mate, give me a snapshot on Gloucester. So I reeled off all the good things and he said, what's their point of difference? And I said, look, I said, I can give a th- throwaway comment or what sounds like a throwaway comment, but it actually is. And he said, go on. I said, the driving line out. I said, I'm telling you now, the driving line out is ridiculously good. And then they only go and score two tries from the drive, don't they? It's easy to say, oh, they've got a good driving line out. They've got a phenomenal driving line out. And when you've got a good driving line out and you've got that, especially in the conditions, especially playing in the Prem, where you're playing against Saracens as well, where you're going to get opportunity at the line out because they kick so much, that's what happens. You can win games. I'm not saying that that's the only reason. Their kicking game was spot on and they're confident as well. So that is a massive win for Gloucester. Not the yeah, not the win of the weekend. The Wasp one obviously was, but who were you supporting there, James? Saracens playing against Gloucester. Why put me on the spot? Because <laughs> that's what you do to me, James. Genuinely, looking at that game, no one like as in. Oh, why being horrible? Yeah, I, I'm not sitting on the fence either. Like, I'm watching that game, and for rugby, I wanted Gloucester to win. <laughs> but it was the same with Wasp Leicester. I wanted Wasp to win that game. Like I did. What? I know. I did. I, I, I just. For rugby, because we love it, don't we? So <laughs> to right. make it more for interesting right. at the end of the season. But it's more a little bit around the underdog. And because my mate Ravo's arms at Gloucester and Saris have won a load of stuff and high-profile players, mate, there's probably a part of me that wanted to see Gloucester win that game. And Billy Twelve Trees, we're going to speak to him later on in the show, joins that driving line out. But the game isn't won when they score that line out. The game isn't won. There's still a lot of a lot to do and to hold them out. And Lozer had a big kick at the end, probably a similar position to Marcus Smith's. You're thinking, here we go. Like, this is going over and Gloucester are going to struggle to get back. But huge win. Huge win in the context of anyone can beat anyone. And that's what it feels like this season. But on the road at the Stone X, tough place to go and play. You do wonder whether the synthetic pitch that Gloucester are playing on, yeah. again, it's only, it's only a small thing. It's the inches, you know, as Al Pacino said. But them small inches of being used to playing on that and going down there to play the game plan that they've got, decent driving line out, that a few things married up for them. So, because you look at Saracen's tries, they were soft as well. So, actually, when you look at that in terms of how hard Saris had to work, it was a good day at the office for Gloucester uh, in all parts to it. So, fair play. The good and the bad of Jim Hamilton was imprinted on both teams at the Stonex Stadium, James. Do you want me to hit you with them? Driving line out, good. Yeah. Discipline, poor. No, I was going to say, Gloucester's driving line out, good. That had a, the stamp of, of everything that you wanted to bring to a game. And then conversely, defending a driving line out, you used to stand upright, didn't you? And I just saw Mario Toji go backwards and backwards when he was he was stood upright. Defending a driving line out, you can't be standing up, can you? You've got to get your head in there. Yeah, you can. That's how I did my best work. You've got to bend over and push, mate. No, it isn't, Andrew. You can't do that when you've got an L4, L5 disc problem and you're strong as an upright. I want to give one shout out, though, because as we are talking about driving line outs, you look at the profile of that Gloucester team, and I've said it here once, Let's make a bit of noise about it. Freddie Clark. Yeah, monster. In the second row, who is a back row normally, has filled into that second row position. They've got one of the best lineouts in the Prem. 
We talk about Esther Hazen at Quinn's getting him half a million pound. Pay this man 750 is all I'm saying. <laughs> Freddie Clark, let's get him 750. Wearing the number four or five, I don't know. He's down as number four, but I think he was wearing five. Massive. He's had a massive season. And then you factor in Ludlow as well as Captain, who we love, Goody. Fair play. It's, uh, it's, it's been a great season for them. Oh, hold up. Smell test. Go ahead. Sniff those pits. Now, your bits. Feet. Toes. Come on. Ugh. Could be fresher, right? It's all good. Old Spice Total Body Deodorant Spray is gentle enough to use all over your body, giving you 24-7 lasting freshness with daily use, from pits to toes and down below. So every smell test gets a... <sighs> Shop for Old Spice Total Body Deodorant. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Well, speaking of that win for Gloucester at the Stonex Stadium, we can have a chat now with their centre, Billy 12trees. How are you, mate? Very good. Uh, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bill, it's been a long time coming. Let's just clear something up for the listeners who can't see this. Uh, you've got B12 as your name on Zoom. If we're going by teeth colours, mine should be B4 because <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's getting better, Jim. It used to be B8, then it was B6, so you're getting whiter. Hey, they're definitely getting whiter, Billy. One of my New Year's resolutions was to invest in the look. But Bill, let's just start with that because we tried to get you on last year, a couple of years ago. Who knows? We've lost track of time. I know the answer to this, or I think I know the answer to it, but let's just get it out of the way. Billy 12 Trees, is that a real name? Was that a given name or was it a bought name like a number plate? <laughs> it definitely wasn't bought. <laughs> definitely. It was it was my mum's original maiden name. So my dad the dad took her name. She was the youngest of three daughters and um they didn't want the name to die out. My dad had brothers, so they had a bargaining chip. They took took my mum's name. 12 trees and then we had the kids had all uh on one of four boys and then he started the tree surgery business that ended up being 12 trees tree surgery and still going strong i think it may be 39 years now in west sussex and you're still climbing trees at a tender age of 63 with my mum at the bottom and raking up so um i know it's, it's brilliant that's amazing that is amazing. i actually thought that was a bit of banter but uh, <laughs> the story now what was your dad's surname he's fentiman so quite a unique name itself but um the 12 trees thing and that, like growing up you don't know anything about it until the rugby kicked off and then going to Leicester then Geordie Murph cracked on a joke about it about 12 trees and his accent and then becoming 36 yeah. of the Welford Road faithful and then and then my dad used to drive up in his battered uh, tree surgery van saying 12 trees tree surgery so he used to get a lot of press out of that as well driving to Welford Road but um yeah still going strong nice nice a uh, big question for me though obviously a massive win at the weekend and we'll get into the nuts and bolts about the win and, and how well Gloucester are playing. Were you out in London with the boys on Saturday night? Because I've seen a load of stuff on social media. Some of the youngsters absolutely loving life in Mayfair. No, that's the reason you got me on and not them. Because <laughs> 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 uh, well, because I think we've got a bye week in Europe this week as well. So um, all the boys knew they had a bit of time off this week, a bit of downtime. And um, so a lot of them booked to, to stay down in London. I know um, Haysto and Zam and a few of the other young lads met them down there and enjoyed themselves. But um me being uh, one of the senior players in the squad was kids, had the school run this week, so definitely could indulge in that whilst all the others are going away on holiday. 
poor Adam Hastings. There's no way he can deny, deny, reaccuse that someone else is in London with them white tags. Even if it was dark, <laughs> you could just see these white tags glistening through. It's not me, coach. It's not me, coach. Hey, it is. It is. But no. It's because I get, we had, um, we played on Boxing Day and the day after, everyone already had a day off and then he came back on the, I think the 28th and his tan got even better. <laughs> his tan got better and his teeth got whiter. And boy, how does that happen, Hastings? We played together on Boxing Day. I think um, his tan's always, always on point. And all those young lads, they're incredibly, um, you know, good at looking after themselves nowadays, as opposed to back in the day, I remember turning up to, you know, OB Wiggs training ground and boys didn't too worry or turning up at the sheds in Gloucester or the, you know, <laughs> the pits that was back then, Jim, as you know, boys didn't really worry. But nowadays it's the look, it's the way it is and boys look after themselves well. It's amazing, Jim. You never even used to clean your teeth, did you? And now these kids are getting their teeth whitened and everything like that. It's... I'm just amazed at the difference. Andrew, I used to shave me piabs and do an undercut, mate. That was it. That was where I, as far as I went, and I thought as Gloucester captain, that was absolutely enough. I remember turning up at the pits uh, in Hartbury, walking in, and you <laughs> you would walk in, shoulders curled. Bill, how are you? Oh, Jim, how are you? Absolutely fooked. And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't even play the weekend, bud. Oh, mate, I'm fooked. <laughs> positive it was just trying to everyone just trying to bring everyone up and that's why i went on to be captain bill (laughs) let's talk a little bit about ruggers now andrew's got a confession and an apology i'm sure he's going to go through that due diligence and process but my good self naturally close to gloucester still keeping contact with the lads my best mate ravo's arm is team manager obviously alex brown i can name drop everyone here under the sun but there's been a lot of changes in Gloucester since you've been there and it's almost one of them you didn't really know where it's going and then Skivs comes in a young coaching team not as much pressure arguably as there would have been in years gone by and I'll say it top four the lads are flying what's happened I think you answered that I think even when Covid hit and Johan left Humphreys left and um, a lot of players left like the the predicament of the world that we all lived in was that we didn't know what professional sport was going to be and I remember a few of our senior players had meetings with Brownie and Lance and we didn't know where the club was going but um, luckily a few of us knew Skiz and playing with him at Leicester and Ed Slater knew him and we said yeah definitely let's let's get behind him and um, I think that pressure did build last year I think we had a losing streak maybe six or seven in a row and with no fans and you can imagine playing at King's Home or away from home and winning or losing you suddenly would just walk into the sheds no atmosphere lads would just get the bags and go home and it's just driving home when there's no fans and it really hurt even more in a way because losing and it suddenly was just felt so hollow so the off season I think was great for everyone <laughs> we, uh, I think we beat London Irish at the end of last year and then we had a Covid outbreak and suddenly the season was done so there was a lot of anger within the team that we couldn't finish the way we wanted to, didn't get into the top flight of Europe. And everyone, I think, went away, had a good break and came back in and were definitely determined to make this work. And, you know, Skibs has just stripped it back. You talk about the coaches, you know, him, Kingy, Dom, Tim Taylor, they're a very close group and the three of them play together. So they, they get each other really well. And then we do have a senior group of players that understand each other and understand what Skibs wants from the boys. And that's... It's working at the moment and, um, you know, this league is brutal. If you're not on it, like, it's it's cutthroat. So we had that back end of it last year. A few of the teams are going through that now. But just speaking to some of the Saris boys at the end of the game, even on the weekend, like, that was I mean, yeah, pretty much, that was the halfway point of the Prem season. Like, and it's, it's January, it's nuts, and we're going all the way to June. So 
all the players playing you definitely don't get carried away but it just shows how hard it is but you just got to keep the momentum going as long as you can yeah certainly and Jim mentioned something then I do have to apologize and I'm just going off the back of what you said I predicted Gloucester might finish bottom of the table and I'm sorry Billy I'm sorry to you I'm sorry to the coaches I've apologized to Kingy over messaging and it basically was off the back of the end of last season, right? So it was tough last at the back end of last season. And what I meant to say was that happened to Gloucester, but it will be Bath that finished bottom. That's what I really meant. So apologies. But Skibs has, you know, you said he stripped it back. Those boys, you know, him, Alex King, Don Waldock, they all played together at Wasps. There is that sort of different mentality from those boys, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, when they first came in, they kind of said it truthfully, like, lads, what are we about? What have you been doing? You, you do this one week, another week, you're, you're chucking the ball around from your own try line for 10 phases, not going anywhere. You know, we were very inconsistent, had a lot of good players. So, like I said, Skid stripped it back. He um he just worked incredibly hard with the forwards for the first year and Kingy, you know, made us backline, you know, appreciate what we have and who we have and the strengths in the team. Like, you look at our, potentially our back three in terms of wingers. You've got Santiago Carreras, who's been playing number 10 for Argentina and is a world-class winger. Yeah. Uh, Oli Thorley, who's a freak of nature and power. And then you've got Zam and Johnny, obviously, internationals already. And you still got Charlie Sharples nursing a shoulder dislocation coming back. So you look at the players we have got and then the pack, what they're doing. We want to get to the, the ball to those boys and cause damage. But now we are in the, the depths of winter. It's difficult as well. So we're definitely trying to develop a game that we can impose ourselves in opposition, but also play some good brand of rugby. And Bill, how is, you, you've kind of given us a snapshot on the environment, but what's the environment like with the different characters? Obviously, Adam Hastings, Scottish, you know, there's a South African influence naturally with the team as well. Ruin Akamad at number eight, some old guard as well, Ben Morgan, Charlie Sharples, just to name a couple yourself. But how is that kind of mix? Because Gloucester have always been a team that have had a nucleus of, local players that have played at Hartbury and then you throw into the mix that they've got the checkbook out and it's never really quite worked but again just going back to looking at this season with Skibs at the helm young coaching team and a real mix of players that they fought in not the highest profile players when you look at the profile of the league but just a snapshot of what the, what the culture's like well basically what the culture's like that I built a few years ago is it still going <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Jim. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, honestly, I, I remember those days that we finished TV meetings, we're coming to the change. We were like, "Come on, lads! I know it's going to be rubbish, but let's get out there and do it. Come on!" <laughs> like, but that was like, that's what he said. It was young lads. It was, I was, well, I was like 22 when I turned up at Gloucester. We had Trinder, Johnny, Sharples, all these guys who looked up to Jim, like Grills, Hazy, all those senior Gloucester lads that are still Gloucester legends now. And um, but what amazed me then was the different culture of the Leicester. But then game day, it was at King's Home in front of the shed. It was just flick of the switch and you'd do it. So that sort of mentality has definitely changed because the professionalism probably got more. We've changed. We've left Hartbury now. We've, you know, um, Martin St. Quintin's built his own facility at King's Home. We've got a new pitch there and they're developing the site next door. So there's definitely a culture of what skills and the management are building. But the players know that the heart of what makes Gloucester great is King's Home, the shed and bit of old school nature of like the town, Gloucester, just get on with it, get your head down, work extremely hard and the results will come. Mate, I can't believe you just said people used to look up to Jim. Surely it was only because he was about six foot six, not because he was an actual leader, because he moans like, every time I phone him or he phones me, the first thing he says is how fucked. Well, when I, <laughs> <That's all> <laughs> <here>. <laughs> I messaged him the other week, is like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm fucked. <laughs> and I was, I was saying, I was asking him to... Um, Luckily, the club gave me a testimonial this year and I asked him, like, Jim, Raybo is keen as mustard to play in the second row of my game. Can you play next to him? And he's like, no way. And then it, it was slowly ticking through his brain. He's like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. 
So he's committed himself to me, which I'm, I'm still hoping he does. But, um, but yeah, the, my testimony is because of COVID, it's been a bit difficult, but hopefully we'll get a game score at the end of the year. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the testimonial, Bill, while we've got you, because this is one of the old romances in rugby. I don't even know if they do it in other sports and football that still lives. And guys who've given their, obviously, career to the game. Is it... 10 years at a club like what what's the script or is it 10 years in rugby like how does it work and what's going to happen now migrating through covid with yours and your captain heading back down to front up the cherry and whites <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, amazing i mean that's why the boys are desperate to have you get back in the shed that was the hardest thing doing the lap before the game i think it's what all skippers or captains of the club try and do when they first take over it's, can we stop doing the lap of the shed but then once you do it once and once you do it twice the the allure of the shed gets to you and you want to do it more and more. I don't, to be honest, don't know the rules with the testimony in terms of the 10 years, but um, when it first uh, I was asked and, you know, awarded it, I was a bit taken aback because of people like Hazy, Bucko at the club, even Charlie Sharples, Henry Trinder, who are, in my mind, you know, Gloucester boys through and through. So to be awarded it was massive and then COVID hits and then it put a spanner in the works. We didn't think it was going to happen, but, you know, we've got a committee together and this year we've been... Um, we're, we're planning some things, hopefully, and then Omicron hit around Christmas. We've had to postpone a few things, but, you know, um, I want to support some local charities and uh, yeah, a bigger charity in Winston's Wish that is very close to me and my family's heart and raise as much money for them as we can and the awareness around Gloucester. And just, I want to have a fun year. Like, the, the couple of years that have been going on, not just in rugby, but in life, it's been pretty down and dreary. So, um the whole point of the game, I uh, spoke to Brownie because when my first year he had a testimonial and yeah, he admittedly said he didn't he didn't enjoy it as much because it came a bit of a stress. He's like, let's with the bye weeks this year, let's let's organise a game on a bye weekend, get all the players who played with the past and present who wants to, like self gym, and um, you know, play at King's Home against uh, a team that you want to play against. So, you know, we organised a game against the British and Irish classic lines um for middle of Feb but we're hopefully going to push it back to uh, September next year because of Covid so we get some you know good awareness going um, so the year will be what it is but I just want everyone to enjoy themselves raise as much awareness and money and cash for Winston's Wish and um, the Pie Piper Appeal which is local to Gloucester and have some fun Well Bill my first line as captain will be <laughs> lads I know we're fucked I know we're fucked but <laughs> And there'll be a butt, and then I'll charge them up again. There we go. We'll go. I'm just looking forward to seeing you rave. I've heard lots of things about it, but, you know, want to see the evidence. People will pay great money to see Jim Hamilton put his high, high-tech, high-cut boots on again with about, what, do you, 25 mil studs in there and just get filled in everywhere. Give penalties away all over the shop and just get filled in by boys. I was going to say, we need a 10. How's that ankle holding up? I heard you had that Mate, it's, it's struggling. <laughs> Struggling, mate. I've got pins and plates. It's... What do you mean? It's fused. It's never been stronger. <laughs> By September, they might be out. But um, if you've got a triple XL shirt, I'll waddle onto the field for for about ten minutes. Do you know what? We we played Quinns the other week, and um, I asked Adam Jones for the. I told him in the lines. I said, "Bob, are you going to play with me?" And he's like, "You haven't got a shirt big enough for me." And I said, "That's the one thing." <laughs> I got organised straight away. I did to run out. Take the first scrum, then you can wave the crowd goodbye and run off the pitch if you want. So, I've got your sporting QD. <laughs> nice, I'll do that then for you, mate. No problem. All right, Billy. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck for the rest of the season with Gloucester and, of course, your testimonial, mate. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, Goody. Cheers, Jim. Have a good day, boys. Cheers, Billy. Class, Bill. Well done this season, mate. Thanks. Top, Top lad. lad. He is, isn't he? And, and you can see he's been at Gloucester for a long time, seen some highs, seen some lows, and 
Yeah, he's a big part, and it's a it's a tough place to get into the centre at the minute. Obviously, with Atkinson and Chris Harris playing it exceptionally well as well. But he, every time he slips on that jersey, he's doing exceptional things for Gloucester this year. Let's have a quick look at the URC now, then, because Jim, both the Scottish sides had wins at home against Welsh opposition, didn't they? Quote unquote, I said phenomenal about these two teams pre New Year in the media. I reckon I said phenomenal maybe five times. It was quite embarrassing, really. I was a bit nervous <laughs> doing mainstream media. A bit out of sorts. And then Tom Shanklin came at me and was like, what are you talking about? Phenomenal. I was like, we actually look at the two Scottish teams at the minute. Edinburgh now, top of the URC. Scotland, you know, smashing England, probably going to win the Six Nations. Glasgow <laughs> beating Exeter at home. Saracens getting beat at home against Edinburgh. It is phenomenal. Like, it genuinely is. And the way that they're playing. Bonus point against Cardiff before half-time at the weekend. No fans. Now, I don't want to belittle the Welsh regions. Fortunately now for Scotland, we're better than that. You know, we are waiting in situ. I say we as a Scotsman. These teams now, Edinburgh and Glasgow. Glasgow getting a good win against the Ospreys as well. And that was probably a more challenging game in terms of the two performances are waiting for the big ones, the Ulsters, the Munsters, the Lancers now, to really see where, where they're at. But Edinburgh, top of the URC, the sad thing about it, no fans. You look at the English Prem, I, I, look, I don't want to get political or get called out if, as, as soon as I say anything on there. It's a real shame that Scottish fans, Edinburgh and Glasgow fans, are not getting to enjoy, enjoy this. They've felt a lot of pain in recent years. I know Glasgow have been good. Edinburgh, not so much in terms of longevity of results that they're not getting to witness these kinds of performances week in week out I know it's only short term but that's the one sad thing but as we lead into the Six Nations you can't look too much at the URC because it's so bitty at the minute it's so Mm. who knows up in the air but in terms of going forward to the Six Nations and Scotland you laugh at me we are phenomenal this year (laughs) is that we as in Wales because one of your things was to be nice to Wales wasn't it yeah well Wales will be all right I'm sure (laughs) but the regions aren't great Goody for whatever reason and look you know it's not something that I'm hugely bothered about I don't need to be that bothered about but that's the sad thing and the worrying thing and I get it wrong every single year but something's not right in Wales like it's really not however you look at it in terms of the model but the focus on the regions you know Liam Williams is off to Cardiff well, he ain't played. He ain't played the Scarlets. Like, I, I mean, how's that happening? I, I, again, not that I know too much about it, but I'm looking at it and then I'm looking at the performances. I don't really get it. But on a yeah. Scotland's point of view, you can't be happier for the team, especially Edinburgh. Fantastic rugby city, and now they're playing some great stuff. So Cock has put in the foundations. Whether or not he left with the happiness and love of the squad, well, we know that isn't the case. Oh, what are you saying? Well, I'm just saying that they weren't happy being shouted at whereas <laughs> when I was a young lad I didn't mind getting shouted at because I'd go two footed into a breakdown and sort it out that way but you can't do that now but what he's instilled and then what Mike Blair's brought into that team and you look at the young Scottish lads that are performing as well it's class and it's class for Scotland as well well we'll have a look at the European club game in a minute but you mentioned just before about Six Nations I know Jim you think Scotland are going to be runaway winners this year there's been a bit of chat about it all being held in one country so you can have crowds. Are you, are you guys across that at all? Not just one country, England. <laughs> yeah. Well, England's the only place without restrictions in terms of fans and stadium, isn't it? So, yeah, for me, you look at, listen, let the French do what the French want to do because they're, you know, they're a different beast. But we are, 
you know, part of the United Kingdom. So you sit there and you go, if you're Scotland and if you're Nicola Sturgeon and she's, you know, whether you make this political or not, it is a political decision at the minute because Boris has made one choice in England. The Welsh guys made another choice in Wales and Nicola Sturgeon up in Scotland has made her choice around banning fans from Stadia. And you can find your rights and wrongs in it all. So they're the decisions that those people have, have, have taken. So if you're the SRU, if you're the WRU, it makes complete sense to me financially, the spirit of the game. And, you know, you hear what the players say. I think some of the Welsh boys, Dan Bigger and Lewis Rees-Summit, have both come out and said, yeah. what's the point of playing in an empty stadium? So if you're the WRU or the SRU and you're saying, right, the government have said we can't have fans. And as it stands at the minute, that is the case. It may change in future. But what they should be doing, personally, I think, is looking at a contingency plan for Scotland to play their games. Speak to Newcastle football club, speak to Sunderland football club, where it's just over the border and you've got a 30, 40, 50, 60,000 seat stadium to go and play in. They played at St. James's Park during the World Cup and we all know how good that was. I know it was a World Cup and it is very different, but yeah, yeah. it is. It's two hours down the road. And, and don't get me wrong, logistically, there's a lot to get through. I haven't even looked at Newcastle United fixtures to see whether actually they could do that. But Sunderland's an option. If you're Wales, play it at... Bristol City, Ashton Gate, there's 30-odd thousand in there, straight over the bridge. You know, we had all the Scots and the, the Welsh come in for New Year's Eve, didn't we, into England? And you saw all the stuff in the press around that. So, you know, if you're Wales, even play at Twickenham. Play your games at Twickenham. You know, it's a it's a rugby stadium. And, okay, logistically, there's, there's going to be fees to pay and, and all stuff like that. But I'm sure you'd still sell it out. Unless, of course, the WRU and the SRU are bound by the Scottish government and the Welsh government saying, well, if you do that, we ain't giving you any money for something else. And I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know whether the, those governments hold something over the unions where they can control what they do. But if I'm anyone in the WRU or the SRU, I'm thinking contingency plan, let's get it in, You know, let's speak to as many stadia as possible to see if we can play a game and have fans and have atmosphere. Because you know the players don't want to play behind closed doors again. When And it makes no sense whatsoever that say Newcastle United can play football and, and what's Newcastle to the border? Hour and a half. Depends if you're in the, the B, the M and the W. Well, on the train, it's yeah, on the train it's a couple of hours. It's not look, it's not that far, really, in the yeah. grand scheme of things. And that's what you said. Like on that, it's again, we're trying to work out and the, like the logistically how you do it. And some people would be saying, Oh, there's a global pandemic. People have got their own opinions on it. And sometimes it's difficult to put it out there and and, and, and pass opinion. You know, I said move the Glasgow Edinburgh game to Newcastle. Easier said than done, a bit tongue-in-cheek. Rugby, I don't think the Six Nations, well, they will survive, they'll find a way, but imagine another Six Nations with no fans, how difficult mm. it was commercially. Not that money's everything, it's absolutely not, but I'm going based, being in Scotland, what I'm seeing in England, I'm going based on Edinburgh and Glasgow, I know it didn't happen, was going to be with no fans, and I'm watching Quinns and Northampton at Twickenham. There's got to be a solution here where we evolve and we move with the times. What I can't see, and again, I might be completely wrong, I don't look at it as much now on the news or follow politics. On January the 17th, they're making a decision in Scotland about what's next, the roadmap out. I can't see them going from absolutely no one in stadiums to, I'll tell you what, in two or three weeks' time, let's bang 70,000 back into BT Murrayfield. Can't see it happening. So there needs to be a contingency. I don't know how that looks financially, but... You can't have this England filling up Twickenham and making the money which they'll make 
out of that and then Scotland playing England at Murrayfield with no fans and then England are playing Ireland at Twickenham and it's sold out. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Something needs to happen. It can't be a case of, right, there's no fans, carry on as is. Just ain't going to work. I just don't think the product will be the same. I just don't think people are going to stand for it. Especially in, in a place that's landlocked. So, obviously... There's a border between Scotland and, and England, you know, and obviously England and Wales, but it ain't a border where it's a hard border, is it? It's a lot. You can just drive through it and walk through it, whatever you want. We're not talking about, you know, obviously the island one is different because it's a, a an actual individual island itself. And, you know, they're part of the EU as opposed to, you know, being part of, uh, of, of Brexit and all that stuff. I don't want to get into that politically, but people are going to say, it's a bit like the flu now. You've got to live with it. And that's the sort of messaging that's come out in, in England. Nicola Sturgeon supposedly is, is is making decisions and doing it. She's going to push for Scottish independence. That's what her party's about. So there is a political play here around what they're doing. And whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, if you're a fan and you want to see games and you want to be in stadiums, you know, the WRU and the SRU and the IRU, Ireland Union, should you know be leaving no stone unturned to try and facilitate that hopefully what about the club game because europe is definitely on for the next few weekends but are we going to see more postponements a game's going to be replayed what's happening is anything clearer oh and let me have a look at these hairy not hairy balls i don't know oh no no one knows (laughs) you may well see postponements yeah yeah i think we will see postponements so if you're asking me to look through the manscaped polished with that dodgy rag that's been reused a few times as a face cloth as well, then I'm seeing postponements. I really am. I'm seeing points gifted. Oh, gosh. Andy Rowe. We don't know. It's bringing me down. I'll be honest. This chat is bringing me down, but it has to be had. (laughs) I'm just looking week by week. I'm going day by day and hoping that something else happens. But what it does show you, and again, without segueing too much, is around how congested the season is. It's too much, isn't it? Like, really, when you look at it, we're talking about Prem games that have been canned, and yes, the points are given across. URC games that have been postponed. Where they're going to play the games, no one knows. They're probably not. European games, now we're talking about, that have been postponed. When are they going to be replayed? No one knows who's getting the point. No one knows. We're talking about the most premier club competition in the world, and we ain't got a Scooby-Doo what's going on. So there's my answer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's my big point on it. You, we're going into rounds three and four of the Champions Cup, which is the end of the pools, effectively. They haven't made a t- decision yet on the round two matches where the French teams couldn't play because their government put in travel restrictions. So, yeah, for me, I think you should have had some strong leadership from EPCR and said, well, you know, we've seen what they do with the issues around COVID. So if a team has COVID, they don't apportion blame to it, but they give the other team five points. And a 28-0 victory. So it's, we're not blaming you, but we are blaming you. So it's 28-0 to the opposition. The French teams couldn't fulfil those fixtures because of a decision made, not at club level, but at their government level. So they should just lose the fixtures, in my opinion. Five points and nil to the opposition. And so at least everyone knows, going into rounds three and four, the parameters around what they've got to achieve to get to the knockout stages. Now, there ain't any space. You can't play rearranged European Champions Cup games in the middle of the Six Nations. You just can't do it. Because there's obviously league games going on, there's squads that are in bubbles and all that stuff. So someone just needs to get their spuds out, make a decision. There'll be uproar because the French won't like it. But, you know, it's their government that made the decision. So there ain't space in the diary to re 
jig these games and put them in anywhere. And then you're asking a league to maybe move some other fixtures to play midweek. So it just makes a, a mockery of it. So as there's you know, this points gifting position in place anyway for COVID-related games, that's what everyone signed up to. And that's, unfortunately, I think what we're going to have to live by. You know, someone just be a leader. There's no leaders out there. There's no one wants to make a decision because they ain't got the space. I'll be a leader. They ain't got Jim Terry bollocks, have they? I would be a leader now because problem maker, problem solver. <laughs> now, when I was at Leicester... Call of Duty was the game to play. And we used to play against different teams. Now, we were in the jungle online, headsets on, and I'm a sniper. And someone is somersaulting off the cliffs and then shooting me in the head. And I was like, these were phenomenal. Maybe that is the way forward. Maybe if it ain't going to be played, there needs to be like a Call of Duty or something like that or a FIFA <laughs> tournament. There needs to be something, eh? Something upbeat, something positive. I'm going for Call of Duty. What about a boat race? Get your best 10 drinkers to do a yeah. pint each. Series. Yeah, you can, on Zoom though, you can cheat, can't you? Throw it over your shoulder a little bit. Mate, I'd get, I'd get picked for that team. Whoever that team is, I'd get picked for. And you would, Jim. You wouldn't be on the bench anymore, would you? No, that'd be leading. I'd probably be captain. I'd probably be the Lions. <laughs> All right, well, before we completely lose our way, Goody, do you want to lead us through the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, a few bits of good this week. Uh, we're going to start off in France with Perpignan. It was a big battle of the basement. They beat Biarritz away from home to move themselves out of the relegation zone. So big tip of the slipper to Perpignan. We mentioned it earlier, Munster beating Ulster with only 14 men for 65 minutes. Tyg Byrne being the skipper and the leader. He had a massive performance. So well done to Munster. Jim, we're going to come up to hashtag always Scotland. Is it hashtag always Scotland? Well, it's the same thing. It's Edinburgh, but same thing. We'll mention Glasgow as well, their victory over the Ospreys, but uh, mainly about hashtag always Edinburgh. Top of the combined URC table. Don't know what that means, but they're top. They are top of the table after eight games for the first time in 12 years after their 34 points to 10 victory over Cardiff. So, Jim, Scottish rugby, Edinburgh, Glasgow, phenomenal. Thank you. Phenomenal, all of you. Especially you, James. Phenomenal. What else was good? Andre Esterhazen mentioned him earlier. Third man of the match performance on the spin for Harlequins. Offer him a pay rise, whatever you do. He scored the winner versus Exeter. Obviously, Marcus Smith's conversion and his crossfield kick were paramount in that as well. So, uh, massive tip of the slipper to those two. The Saints spanking Newcastle Falcons 44 points to eight away from home. Big victory, big performance. Some of those young boys, especially Fraser Dingwall, he tackles like a dingwall. He just goes around smashing walls for fun. So, uh, hell of an effort from him. What else is good? Well, there's only two places to go now, James, I think. And it's close. It was very close between the two. Bath? No, not Bath. Well, Bath won. Let's let's throw them in there. They won a game. They got six points in a day. Orlando Bailey with the spuds to knock the penalty over towards the death. So well done to him. But Gloucester, get a mention of the good. Of course, they do. Massive statement win at Saracens. Then they had the night out in London. I'm just loving the social media clips of Lewis Rees Summit and all the boys. Adam Hastings' teeth all over the shop. Whiter than you've ever seen in your life. Gloucester doing exceptionally well at the minute. Massive win over Saracens. I say massive win, it was a point, but in terms of getting a victory down there, it's huge for them. So well done to them. But the goo, James Hamilton, can only go to one place. Wasps. There we go, Jim. I'm glad you said it. They stopped Leicester Tigers unbeaten start to the season. Alfie Barbary was phenomenal. 18 carries, five defenders beaten and that crucial turnover when Tigers were looking at taking the win towards the end. Lee Blackett's celebrations, he's interviews, the whole thing. Wasps needed the victory. First team to beat Leicester Tigers this season. So Wasps get the good this week. The bad, a few bits of bad. We just mentioned it actually. Six Nations potentially partially being played behind closed doors, especially in Wales and Scotland. 
Let's hope they come to their senses and that changes. What else is bad? EPCR, still no decision. We've just spoken about it around the postponed games going into rounds three and four. Someone needs to be a leader. Jim says call of duty. Uh, but EPCR, they get mentioned about this week for lack of leadership, I'm going to say, Jim. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to call them out. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what else is bad? Breathe, one of my old clubs. They lost to Bordeaux at the weekend. Didn't see it. Was it bad? Well, they lost at home and they only just lost, but they've now moved into the bottom two. They've lost eight of their last nine games, so they're on a pretty bad run at the minute. They've slipped into the bottom two in the top 14, so they have to get a mention of the bad. Where are we going? Sale. We didn't really speak about them too much this week. Their discipline was absolutely horrific. Uh, Alex Sanderson was raging after the game. Bevan Rod gave four penalties away. It wasn't great, was it? Their discipline is shocking. And he said, while I might seem pretty calm, I'm absolutely boiling inside, so I'd hate to be a Sale player today. He was talking about changing ways to make players change their ways, so... There's some punishments coming for the sale boys, isn't there, Jim? There is. Discipline's been their Achilles heel. I don't know what. Look, you're asking the wrong man <laughs> about how you change your ways. Yeah, so they get mentioned the bad this week. But the bad, uh, unfortunately, has to go to another old club of mine. And it's Newcastle Falcons. They got spanked 44-8 at home to Saints at the weekend. Defensively, they've been all over the shop for the last couple of weeks. I mentioned it before. They conceded 31 points last week to Leicester and 43 to London Irish the week before. Uh, so unfortunately, Newcastle Falcons, you get the bad this week. The ugly, a couple of bits of ugly red cards for Simon Zebo and Rory Sutherland. Uh, high shots weren't too ugly, but unfortunately, the ugly this week has to go to Alec Hepburn. Although it was Joe Marlowe, he did lift him up and drop him on his head. Whether it was intentional or not, I don't know, but that's all I could find from the ugly this week. So Alec Hepburn, you're getting the ugly. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout out to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, a massive shout out to everyone at Burstall RFC and the family and friends of their former coach, Paul Woodpig-Smith, who sadly passed away last month. Uh, he helped so many people during his time at the club and everyone there has been raising a glass to him over the past few weeks and we'll send in all our love and best wishes to his friends and family as well. No, absolutely, Goody. Here, here. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, check out Eventbrite to get tickets to our Six Nations live tour and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Rippy spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. Uh-huh.